0: How's it internet? And welcome back to Two Guys in SharePoint.
1: The only SharePoint show in South Africa where everything is not made up and there are no points. Modlin. L. Oh. How are you my boy?
0: Yeah, dude. Doing very well. Getting on to the end of the year. Laca. The finish line yeah, is in man. sight.
1: How how's your year been?
0: It's been pretty good, hey. Um it's been interesting. Next week actually will be our last episode for the year, and we'll do sort of the year in
1: review bits in that episode. Yes, uh, just a recap. So no guests on next week. Um, I hope everyone's happy with that because uh, uh, it depends on the guest, though. Some guests, we get great reviews. Some guests, like Francois Pina, people hate him. And then we get the heckler on, uh, which is even worse.
0: Yeah. But that's next week. This week we do have a guest,
1: a very cool guest. Yes, we do. Uh, One of the biggest things that came out of twenty sixteen is the huge push to migrate your content, be it uh, from a version of SharePoint to a later version of SharePoint, or to move to the cloud, which seems to be the uh, run of the mill every day someone wants to move to the cloud sort of conversation. So we've got the industry expert in South Africa. There's only one man in South Africa that you need to talk to when you consider moving SharePoint to SharePoint, SharePoint to SharePoint online, other products to SharePoint. And that is the one, the only, uh, Johan Meiburg. Uh, he's been on the road trip with us and, and we refer to him as the Johan because uh, Matthews from the UK cannot say Johan. So we've always, kn- and he's now forever known as the Johan, like the Zohan, same thing. So yeah, welcome Johan. And our guest this week, he's been crying since SharePoint Saturday, Johannesburg, because we didn't include him in the interviews, and he's been moaning at me for the last two months, and I've promised him that he's getting a slot. So this is not a pretty slot, and we actually do want to hear from him. Um, He's a great uh, uh, community member, and he's been doing a lot in the space. He's pretty much um, worked for everyone, which uh, only when you really get to know him and you spend uh, Eight days in a confined space with him—do you really get to know the guy? Um, the one, the only, none other than Johann Meinberg. Welcome to the show.
2: Thank you very much.
1: So it's been a—it's been a, a great six weeks, uh, eight weeks. Um, We've—I feel like we've grown closer as people and as friends.
2: Yeah, definitely. The road trip made a big difference and I think it's it's kind of healed relationships and created um, new connections with people that I think was a long time coming.
1: I wasn't aware that there was a problem between us that it needed to be healed though.
2: Well, you know, if you think back towards the sheer fight in the car, in
1: the I, Uber car. You know, you're the only one that references that. I don't talk about it. I came to you the next morning. I hugged you and we were friends. But every person we encounter, you have to tell about that um, banter that we had in the vehicle on the way home. You call it a fight. You know, yeah, I think it was so a heated Uber, debate.
2: The Uber driver. Actually went for counselling after the
1: fact. All right. But I think, so. I think everyone goes for counselling after they spend more than forty minutes in a car with us. With you. <laughs> with us. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Like everyone said on the road trip. Anyhow, for our listeners, uh, give us a little bit of background into the world of Johan. Uh, the Johan, uh, like Matthew uh, uses. Yes. Where do you come from? What did you do? How did you end up where you are right now?
2: I did not realize this is going to be part of the questions, but um, yeah. It's I, not an
1: interview, mate, yeah. if we don't know who you're from or where you're from or how, what. You know, the listeners are very interested to know. It's like, like career path. Like, I understand. How did you stumble into this space? Because, yes. you know, it's, it's difficult to sort of figure out just looking at you like, shit, man, what what did you actually do?
2: Yes, I get that. So, um, actually, a uh, infrastructure guy. Um, I started doing uh, work for a company called ITIQ, which was initially what has now become Bytes Technologies. And um, I started well, That's a,
1: a company I didn't know about. You actually worked for Bytes at one stage.
2: Not for Bytes, well, but before there were Bytes, there were something called CS Holdings. Before there were CS Holdings. C.S. Holdings bought out three or four training companies. One of them was ITIQ and Syscom and Windows Academy.
1: So, so, Holden, so you said infrastructure. now you talking about training? I don't understand. Yes,
2: infrastructure. I was a Novell trainer,
1: like a CNE or something.
2: I was a CNI actually, a certified Novell instructor. Okay. I was a certified Citrix instructor, and I'm also a Microsoft certified trainer. So,
1: did you ever install Novell Network? Network? Absolutely. What versions did you run?
2: So, from 4 and onwards.
1: Okay. Yeah, I did 4.1. Did you ever, like, um, pull wire? Like, pull cable?
2: No, no, no. I was just a trainer, so So I just trained.
1: Okay, see. But you installed... I actually
2: actually started on the front desk booking courses. And then one day they said to me, hey, can you train people? And I said to them, I'm not sure. So, they forced me to explain to all the trainers how Warcraft works. So I went through nice. our Warcraft works and um, I sat in on the A-plus training a week later and about two months later I was training the A-plus stuff.
1: TSP I'm actually starting to lose um, respect for you uh, because you started with A-plus.
2: Well, and I did. Um, I also started with A-plus, N-plus, I-plus, wrote all the exa- all exams the when stuff. they were still did you do the,
1: Did you do the CDI A-plus? No. And you in… The Space Union, you haven't done that?
2: No, I haven't. No. no. Anyway. So minus 10 points for that. So from from there, it was a training background, and mm. I just taught myself some development, and the development just sort of
1: grew over here. Development years. isn't code monkey stuff.
2: Yeah, so initially I bought a HTML book, I bought a JavaScript book, and I worked through both those books. And then when I started working for Inibits Consulting, because the Innabits trainers were guys that trained with me, so they started bits and they got me to work there. And my first project was a dev, dev project. So
1: you worked with the the great Andre Kirkland?
2: Absolutely. Oh,
1: what yeah. a legend!
2: He is definitely a legend. Probably uh, one of the most knowledgeable Windows guys I've ever met. I remember there was, if a, not the most, yeah, knowledgeable.
1: there was a there was there's a uh, the aim aim you know the aim guys. They usually have conferences, yeah. um, in the US. And one year Kodak showed up, and they just launched the i800 series uh, scanners. And it was if you could. Cause a paper jam in the scanner, you'd get a digital camera. I think there was one paper jam the entire conference, but the same could be said for Andre Kutland. If anyone could stump him in any question about Microsoft in its totality, I'd be surprised.
2: Yeah, same, yeah. Good man. Yeah. Yeah, so so it was guys like that um, at it's Andre, Davi, Iman, um, all those of them, Dennis Bench.
1: I see uh, Peter Batolis. Was somebody involved in the old days and that guy from uh, Flowcentric, Dennis? Yeah, I so, saw a so, picture of so so Dennis
2: was actually one of the founding members of Innabits. Oh, wow. And uh, Peter was one of the guys that worked there and eventually yes. was poached by Microsoft. That That's great. That tends yeah. to be what happens at Innabits.
1: Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, I've worked yeah. with Peter on a project before. Yeah. Okay, and then and then. Uh, uh, this all sounds great, but where did the SharePoint stuff come from?
2: Yeah, so I was at Inibits, and my f- first contract was building a some other finance system for a company in Pretoria, but my second project was a, a project to help Cispro to build an integration layer into the ERP system. Oh, wow. So I ended up writing code and web applications and web services that talk to their COBOL APIs. To COBOL? Yeah. <laughs> and while well, they exposed that, I just made it look pretty. Um, by putting like oh. WCF facades on top of it. But anyway, um so What was their COBOL
1: background? Uh, back end. What are they running? FlexGen or do you know?
2: Microfocus COBOL.
1: Okay, all right. so wasn't the So so, so, the so, so
2: Cispro is one hundred percent COBOL Still.
1: Still. I should go apply for a job there. Well, um
2: the way that Do We manage to expose the logic via .NET and whatever APIs you really want, web services, makes that it doesn't really matter, right? No. Either way, um, so I was there for five years uh, because they poached me at Inubits. And then Flowcentric, a BPM firm, poached me from Syspro. Okay. And that's where my workflow BPM sort of career kicked into gear, if you want. And that's where I one day downloaded SharePoint and I showed the guys, hey, look, you know, look what we can do with this tool that's free, essentially, because I was working with a foundation version of, of SharePoint.
1: So, so let me understand something. Uh, just a quick uh, on the spot uh, technical mm-hmm. question. How do you install SharePoint? What is your process? My
2: process. Yes. You know, I don't like to use the tools that are available. I like to take the ISO, mount it. And it cancel when it hits the wizard.
1: Okay, well that's the right answer. Um, Thank you very h- much. Half and half, but it's it's okay. It's it's acceptable thing as we spoke earlier on and you've written some, some or you've vetted some uh, exam questions as well. Your your, yeah, your history is I think
2: the company is called Line Bridge or something like that. When I was worked for Innabits for a second time after I left left for Centric. Because at Flowcentric, I ended up building building an out-of-the-box SharePoint course on how to build solutions on SharePoint. And Microsoft took that to the banks in South Africa, and APSA was the first bank to respond to say, hey, in actual fact, Veronique. But you worked at APSA as well. (laughs) That's right, yeah. So Veronique (laughs) eventually said to me, we need this training, and I started doing the training there. And within about six months, I was the SharePoint architect for APSA. Um, right, okay. Yes, so anyway, so then I started building stuff on SharePoint. I built this course oh. and it was now looking back from there. So fast forward to where you are right
1: now. Mm. Um, explain to the listeners what you actually do now because, I mean, they still think you're a trainer.
2: Yeah, so at the moment I work for a company called AvPoint. Avpoint is probably the biggest SharePoint vendor in, on the planet. We uh, Bold statements. We, you no, know, I cannot think of anyone else that does it we do.
1: So, do you have like a like a English uh, football team that you also support? Because the the I level of, don't of patriotism. Don't soccer. Yeah, you know, the level of patriotism is like a Manchester United supporter speaks about uh, Man U. You've just spoken about F point. So. If any of the Point uh, staff listening, you need to buy into this guy's Kool-Aid because I don't know what you fed him and when you fed him. But shit, man, I'd love him to promote a company that I work for, part of the way he just promoted Point. So you're the go-to guy for Point in country? In Africa in africa oh, yes. sorry excuse me oh, okay. um, and it, one of the reasons why you're on uh, this uh, show is because we're seeing huge and this is where we really get to the nuts and bolts of the 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 beginning bits were just so that people understand where you are because listening <laughs> to you is going to be difficult this as, as such um but migrations it's yes. always been around it's probably the most difficult thing to do when it comes to sharepoint yeah Um outside of using InfoPath and sharepoint designer
2: and Tom <laughs> yeah
1: it's not Tom Marlin. um but migrations have always been the make or break of pro- of of projects um i've been involved in migrations where the entire outsourced contract was uh, dependent on being able to successfully migrate from SharePoint 2003 to 2007 that's how serious people were and i don't think organizations understand what it takes to migrate from one platform or from one version of SharePoint to the other version, you guys seem to make it quite easy.
2: Yeah, so one of the key differences with software is that um, software is typically versioned. And that implies that whatever your version is right now, at some point in the future, there's going to be a new version. So one of the things that uh, traditionally software companies struggle with is making the software compliant with the old version that, that customers are running. And inherently what ends up happening is you either cut off features or you end up doing stuff that you cannot support in the new version or you want to do it better in the new version and something suddenly becomes unusable. So because SharePoint has got so much traction in the marketplace and it's got such a wide footprint for Microsoft to say, oh, we don't do that um, in the new version is very... Doesn't happen often, right? I Except with Infopath. I can think of something Infopath which has kind of come back again. Um,
1: what through pipes and flow?
2: Well, Microsoft initially said that they were they were discontinuing the product, and from what I understand, they went back on that, and they're saying no, but we will not stop supporting this yeah, we'll support until, and until and everyone is happy that we stop supporting it.
1: Oh well, supporters, they've always said they support the product. They're supporting it until 2022. But yeah. they've deprecated, they, they start with deprecating features. Correct.
2: So uh, so the same thing in SharePoint, um, document workspaces are deprecated. It doesn't happen often, but it does happen. Yeah. And in that case, you know, if you end up doing a DB at touch, you're not getting the same result as having a tool that, that from a platform perspective, mm-hmm. can map stuff out in whatever the case is.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you to a certain to a certain degree um, with that approach. I still think numero uno would be to use a tool, mm-hmm. use a product to move stuff across because companies like F have spent millions of dollars making sure that the tool works to provide the best level of uh, best comfort, yeah. knowing that when you move something from A to B or from product 2013 to 2016, it's definitely going to work in 2016. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, so so this is not this is not something that I take lightly anymore. Um, until until January of this year, when I was still independent, um, DB attach would be the be the way to go. In fact, up until January this year, out of the box was the only option for me. Yeah, and yeah, I drank the Kool Aid. It is what it is. Um, I don't ever want to do a DB attach again in my life.
1: I enjoyed it though. Um. I did. I did quite a big project. Uh, we moved. I think it was seventeen thousand site collections. Mm. <laughs> Insane, mate. It took us four days with the DB attach, running three threads, because uh, we had five content DBs. Okay. Um, it was. It was. Uh, look, we, we retrofitted the custom dev, which I want to talk about in a bit, mm. um, so that it actually runs in twenty ten. It was a two thousand seventy two. Twenty uh, ten. Yeah, two thousand seventy twenty. 10. 2010, yeah. yeah. and that was actually in 2013 when we did it.
2: it yeah, and from a certain perspective, there was a big jump between 2007 and 2010. Yeah. Certain things changed exponentially. Yeah. Oh. Yeah.
1: So how are you finding the migrations? Before we get to the cloud, just from the custom dev side, I mean, you, you should have seen your fair share of migrations now, considering that's all you do right now.
2: Yeah, well, uh, I wouldn't say it's all I do. At the moment, I actually do sales, um, but... I get involved in the projects. I'm not yeah. involved in the projects to the point where I'm accountable or anything, yeah. but I'm involved in the projects from uh something goes wrong, something doesn't go as planned. I try to escalate support or whatever the case is. But it certainly is not um we're not talking about upgrading Windows XP mm. uh to, to a new version. It's it's typically more complicated. Um
1: so your, yeah. your your industry involvement over the last, now that you are migration, Mr. Migration? <laughs> like Mr. Miyagi, Mr. Migration? call myself Mr. Migration.
2: Mr. Migration? Okay. Uh,
1: look, you, you work for the best company, the biggest, the largest, whatever you said, in the world. Um, and that's from Top Gear, by the way, which you haven't seen. Another 10,000 points off, your, um, off the ball. But, uh, yeah, so everyone's scared to, I remember doing a, transformation session in, at Shepherd Saturday Durban and apparently I scared a woman um, and then she went to Brandon's session and she told Brandon that she's scared um, because of, I spoke about migrations and what to be aware of yeah. um, any, any tips around migrations I mean you, you should have seen it all yeah absolutely
2: um, um, so first thing and a lot of people have issues with this but stay away from custom code
1: what would you do around custom code? I mean, you, invariably, did there, some segment. So do you suggest that they uh, get a team of developers into retrofit the code, so actually work through the code and find out what's going to work, what's not going to work with the new version? Or do you say rebuild from the scratch?
2: Yeah, so I'm glad you asked this question because um, it takes me back to my yeah. core beliefs of SharePoint is that it's a business tool. So any customization should be done by business, if you ask me. So so my feeling is that um, the minute you start doing stuff like that, you you have a hammer and everything looks like a nail. I've started telling my customers maybe two or three years ago that custom code and custom solutions are not the way to go. Uh, and I can take that as far as, as, as saying that you should stop using uh, the 2003 version of doc files, right? Uh, um, yes. Uh, so... so so there's a whole host of things that you can that you can start doing in order to make a migration, for example, to Office 365 a lot easier. It's different if you're migrating to on-premise because you've got more flexibility. But the minute you hit the cloud, you're in a you're in a situation where Microsoft tells you to fit in or have a nice day. <laughs> right.
1: Like the way you ended that. Yeah, it was very uh, diplomatic S- so and uh, politically I. correct. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> yes. The five. Um So it's, uh, it's it's interesting because. I don't think there's, was, there's been a SharePoint customer that I've engaged with that hasn't had some level of code, albeit something that they've, a WSP that they've bought, like a birthday's web part or something stupid like that. Yeah. They've, there's always some level of, of code. I mean, we've seen guys like uh, Rencore do amazing things with, with custom code around SPCAF. The code analysis framework around how they can pick up where your problems are also looking at a transformator tool now that will actually tell you what you need to change in your code and show you what the code looks like changed yeah. when you need to move to office 365. Um, so there's a lot been done in that space rent entire business model is on the fact that you have custom code and you Correct. haven't written it correctly
2: 100 yeah in actual fact the latest version of our migration tool supports that you can sort of map it to the Rencore requirements okay. and it'll tell you what's what's gonna work and what's not gonna work so oh uh, that's that's very cool absolutely so would you uh,
1: would you on top of selling your migration tool when you do an investigation at a customer some sort of order to look at what's going to work what's not going to work would you then go in and say well listen you've got this code you should consider buying a tool like um the Renko stack is be careful, is be transformator, and actually Ab- absolutely. pull it in.
2: Absolutely. So, for me, the key requirement, in, because I'm a technical resource, the key requirement for me is to become the trusted advisor at the customer. It's something that, because of my um, semi-sellable people skills, have been relatively um, doable in the past. But, yes, for sure. I I do recommend these things, and and um, if it implies that they need to buy something or look at a product that's outside of our stack, I will most certainly recommend it.
1: Okay, great. Well, that's always good to know. It's like you said, people, and it's nice, I suppose, in, in, in your situation because you work for a, a product vendor. Yeah. Um, they're obviously going to look at you without any bias and say, well, listen, This guy should know what he's talking about. He works for the product, the company that manufactures the product. Um, Thought leadership in the industry is very difficult. You've seen it and we've spoken about it. Uh, Product-wise, yeah, I suppose it's difficult to be product agnostic when you work for a vendor. Mm. Um, How are you finding competition in the industry? Uh, We know that there's two other big tools or two other big companies with tools.
2: Yeah, so... It's actually relatively easy, to be honest, um, because they don't have a uh, local presence in South Africa. Um, I'm sitting in front of the big uh, companies on a daily basis. I'm talking to these guys. I'm becoming the trusted advisor. So I've not really had a a huge amount of competition from them per se. What does end up happening is a customer that we are looking at from a prospect perspective, a prospect um, says, Oh, we're evaluating these and these and these tools but the minute we get into uh, a, a minute we get into a shootout uh, the it becomes relatively straightforward actually not that I would always say I do X Y and Z and buy the product right um, there are certain cases where we would just say no in that case it'll be a database attach and that's why the reason why the community in South Africa trust me because I don't I'm not a salesperson um, and I will not certainly bullshit my customers and and try to sell them product where I know that they won't I need the so, product. For so, them, I
1: so yes, you've got a you've got a, a big tool and a small tool that goes up against you guys. Uh, it's easier to put it that way. you've got orange, blue, and red. Um, if we yeah. start unpacking the colours, yes, um, the orange guys are, are fairly well known. Uh, they, they've done really well. Uh, the blue guys a little bit of turmoil. Um, they sucked in the green guys. Um, and their the model changed a bit, but, and also from your side, you, I don't only do migration. There's more to your own Mayberg than just migration um, in your current uh, uh, occupation.
2: hundred percent. Yeah. 100%, yeah. Um, from a corporate perspective, we do stuff like compliance, governance automation. Uh, we're getting into citizen services and these sort of things at the moment. So... I'm really leveraging the entire Microsoft platform and Azure and all these cool tools available to build solutions. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, I think Microsoft asked us to build citizen services, right? So we're getting into a space that... I think it
1: was also pushed by DAX. Probably, yeah. yeah.
2: So, so we're getting into all sorts of spaces, which kind of makes the conversation with regards to the orange and the blue and the red and the white guys disappear in the long run because people prefer to buy product from... Platform vendor as opposed to solution
1: vendor. True. Yes. Speaking about the other initiatives that you've uh, uh, that you are involved with, yes. um, you the guy behind the red bus.
2: Well, I wouldn't call myself the guy behind the red bus. I'm just the guy that managed to get the sponsorship behind the red bus.
1: But the red so bus the is guy, because of you. The, it would have just been there would be no bus. bus. It, well, we wouldn't even talked about a bus. It was just, okay, we're in a vehicle. We wouldn't tweet about being in the vehicle. The vehicle would have just traveled. It would have been a Hyundai H1. Correct.
2: Um, most likely, yes. Uh, but at that point in time, it would have been the Ave point Hyundai I1 that they rented for on because he was going on a work trip. So it was a no-brainer for me to say to them, look, guys, we're going to rent a vehicle anyway. Why don't we just rent something bigger and get some decals going and see if we can convince the people inside the bus to do some hashtagging on Twitter? And it worked.
1: It did. Uh, We got great coverage. Most certainly. And apparently, uh, I've been listening to uh, some rumors, uh, because you know what it's like, very incestuous community we live in. Um, the community we play in, uh, it's two degrees of separation. Yes. Apparently, you're spearheading some other Red Bus initiatives um, across the globe. A little uh, Birdie mentioned it to me.
2: You know, I'm, uh, spearhead is a very strong term. Okay. Um, but certainly pushing for it to happen, by all means. You're I'm the Red I'm Bus doing guy. doing it's, it's, um, it's,
1: it's, it's, how, it's, it's how the world sees you now. Uh, now that you're on Two Guys in SharePoint. We've said that you are the Red Bus guy. The rest of the world will believe that you are the Red Bus guy. I certainly do, uh, personally and professionally. Um, uh, from from the the trip perspective, I don't think it, it, it just turned out to be amazing. And um, I'm looking forward to following you across the globe, um, kicking off these various uh, Red Bus initiatives.
2: Well, I'm 100%. I'm not sure exactly how that's going to pan out. Um, I still have a target to make in Africa. Uh, well, but, look, but the no, honey, point if, is, if you, you, if you know, buy
1: a Land Rover and you spread red, we could easily drive through Africa.
2: We're not making it past Johannesburg.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we're not in my Land Rover.
2: <laughs> Correct. That's what I was implying. <laughs> so, so yes, um, I would like to think of myself as the red bus guy, but honestly, I'm not the, the guy the, behind the red, the red bus. The red gas. The red bus people are the people that were on the bus. Okay. Always humble like the, the uh, Johan Book. Uh, yes, that
1: is what it is. So how do people get hold of you? Um, on, the webs? on the interwebs? On so the interwebs? On the Twitterati, uh, yeah. those sort so of things?
2: Sayedi underscore Mac. <laughs> Did the listeners hear that? Because yes. I surely didn't. So
1: can you can you spell that out?
2: S-A-Y-E-D-I-M-A-C. Okay. It's my Twitter handle. Yes. Uh, Yes, and I believe if you Google just Sayed in Mac, you'll find my LinkedIn profile, my Facebook profile, everything.
1: Strangely enough, you don't mention about your um, IW status.
2: But I don't have a unique handle for that.
1: Well, you could always drive traffic, which we just got off with the Skype call with every... Um, uh, IW lead in the community about driving traffic.
2: You can stop talking right now. Yes, I am a, I am a IW community lead and <laughs> I've actually been a community lead for almost 10 years now, I'm very happy to say. Okay. So I think I've probably spoken at more IW sessions than anyone else.
1: Okay. Chances are you have, mm-hmm. but yet you don't mention it. Thanks for that, Johan. <laughs> all right, yes. Um, Thanks once again for stepping in. Uh, we'll, we'll touch base again. I think next year is going to be a big year for migration. Yeah. And we're going to um, lean heavily on you to to give us a quarterly update on where the world is going with migrations. Okay. Thanks for, for being on the show. Thanks
2: for inviting me. Cheers, cheers. Thank you very much.
0: Cool. Thanks, Johan, for coming on. We really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, the, the, the mind of the Johan. He's done so many migrations. And as you would have heard, mm-hmm worked for a lot of companies doing a lot of things. So he's not just limited to being able to tell, give you advice about migrating just uh, content, but also migrating workflows and migrating pretty much anything else that you have to the cloud.
0: Super cool. So then it's time for the news.
1: In the news. Yes, Rod, you've got, you've got quite a few things you want to talk about this week.
0: Yeah, there's been quite a lot of movement. Um, first up, Microsoft, well, Sachin Adela gave uh, some detail on LinkedIn about what their inter- integration plan is going to look like and what their first steps are going to be. Um,
1: yeah, there's been, a, there's been uh, quite a lot of talk about. I, I think it's this week or it, was it last week when they mentioned, well, they, they finally made the acquisition and it's all done on paper and now it's really taking it to the next level. Yeah, so
0: a couple of the points he mentioned, um, I'll run through them very quickly. Um, they want to provide LinkedIn identity and network and Microsoft Outlook and Office suites. So you can, I assume then, sign into all your all your Microsoft um, suite of products with your LinkedIn account, and they'd cross-operate between those, which is very cool.
1: Do you, Is there a LinkedIn account? Do, do we have... Yes,
0: we we yes, do have you, a LinkedIn account. You you, you, you you when you log into LinkedIn, you're signing in with a LinkedIn account. It's a it's own specific. They keep their own data store because they've been a, a separate entity. So now that'll start integrating into the Microsoft ecosystem, which is quite cool. Um, they want to deliver LinkedIn notifications to the Action Center in Windows. So and that's
1: specific to Windows 10 though.
0: Yeah, the uh, Windows 10 has the Action Center. It'll yes. also be on, mobile and, and all that sort of stuff at some point, I assume.
1: Let's uh, let's hope that it's not one big fat palava, Palava. I think the right word is palava. Uh, remember when when the Skype integration came, so you could log in with your Live account or your Skype account or some other account, and then MSN got dropped, and then all of a sudden, is that because you log in with your Live account into Skype, right? Yes. I log in with my Skype account. Uh yeah. I'm assuming that's it it fused to everything somewhere.
0: Yeah, it is a very complicated thing like mashing these two different authentication methods together. But like you say, they have done it before with Skype. So I assume they've got some learning out of that and uh, they'll be able to leverage that to make this one a little bit better, one hopes.
1: Do you think your LinkedIn account would actually drop away like
0: MSN did? Going forward, I'm sure that's what they want. They want one account where you can sign into everything. But it'll be, I assume it'll be much in the way of the way the Skype accounts are now. So you're still using your old Skype account, but you could just as, you could just as easily use a, a Microsoft account. And people now signing up for Skype never get to create a Skype account. They create a Microsoft account, and it runs through True. like that. So moving forward, I'm sure all these things will converge, and you'll have one input into the Microsoft ecosystem, which is much easier to manage.
1: No, definitely but it's it's yeah uh, i've probably got like 400 passwords for 400 different things and just managing that alone is a ballack
0: yeah so they also want to uh enable you members drafting resumes in word to update their profiles in linkedin and discover and apply for jobs and do all that linkedin stuff so that's quite interesting it gets into like you know like all these technologies sort of blur together so they're probably not going to do it this way, but I always like it. harkens back to the time when little Clippy is going to pop out of the corner of my screen and say, "Oh, it looks like you're writing a resume. Would you like to go onto LinkedIn?" Sort of thing. Uh,
1: but it's they'll all probably this connected learning. Yeah. What about integrating Cortana into LinkedIn, where you can talk your status updates? I I'm sure they'll.
0: I'm sure they'll do that.
1: Look, I'm talking to my TV right now with Alexa on the Fire Stick, so. Uh, and uh, microsoft bought dragon hey naturally speaking yeah, years they've, ago they've also
0: they've just announced as well they in the new builds of windows 10 uh if you're on the fast ring it's got more support for talking to your pc through cortana okay so they are progressing in that as well and i'm sure it's just <laughs> hooking up into the API to allow it to post to that so that's not that difficult i'm sure that'll come
1: I wonder if they're gonna bring out a surface dot or uh, one of those uh, talking to devices like Google's got um, Amazon's got the dot and the echo, I forget what the Google one is oh, called.
0: Kind of kind of like a connect.
1: Yeah, but one that you just stick on a wall somewhere and not have to worry about having an Xbox. Yeah. That would be very cool. They haven't that done be, it yet. They would be very Cause cool. 'Cause Google's got Google's got some serious turnaround that. Um, with mesh networking for wireless and all of those things. and I'm sure Microsoft are getting
0: into that space. That's sort of tangential to the LinkedIn integration. Like it's got practically nothing to do with it, except I'm sure it'll hook into the API so you can post your... So I said, um, they also want to extend the reach of sponsored content across Microsoft properties. So that I'm reading as ads. So the Bing advo platform, if you if you pay them to put ads in Bing, they'll also come up in LinkedIn and any other Microsoft products where it's sort of relevant. Okay. Um providing enterprise LinkedIn lookup powered by Active Directory and Office 365, which would be very cool. So that looks to me like you can you can pick up the various companies and maybe even their users um through a LinkedIn lookup and that'll hook into Active Directory and 0365, which sounds very cool, especially in dynamics like we chatted about last week. Being able to, as as, as the sales platform, being able to see the people that you're selling to uh, and picking up all their details out of LinkedIn would be very powerful.
1: Oh, very cool. Think about extending it to groups, uh, to teams when you're working with external people, um, yeah. knowing who they are and what the expertise is. Uh, when putting together these groups and what roles they play and, and wh- where they've been. Um, I mean, the plethora of background information is is, is quite – because everyone's on LinkedIn. Um, I think I've got more connections on LinkedIn than I have on Facebook and Twitter combined.
0: Yeah. They also want to make the LinkedIn learning, which includes all their assets from Lydia.com, available across O three six five 365 um, and Windows. So that's really exciting Um, especially the lynda.com stuff they've got a ton of content learning content on how to use all these various products and non-microsoft products and all of that so if that somehow ties in and is available with your o365 subscription that's very cool
1: sounding very much like skynet very much like skynet
0: skynet was not at all interested in training the humans they were more into the exterminating (laughs) the humans yeah, that but was, it doesn't that matter. Was a like suv- <laughs> that was a surveillance <laughs> network, not a training network. Well, taking <laughs> over.
1: <laughs> I, d- I don't know what <laughs> sort of training you've been on. <laughs> well, it's more of a takeover thing than a training thing. From that angle, I see my, my tangent is good.
0: Sure, we'll run with that then. Um, they also want to develop develop a business news desk with content... Um, from across the ecosystem and MSN. So they want to pick up the social news side of, of LinkedIn and put that through into business dashboards. So that's quite interesting. Like it would, I assume, know that I'm in IT and I work in South Africa and these are the companies I've had interactions with and then it would present a news feed to me based on that and around that, which is quite interesting.
1: Nothing at all like Skynet.
0: Not, nothing at all, no. Um, and they also, he also had a bit about redefining social selling through the combination of Sales, Navigator, and Dynamics 365, which, again, um, is what we talked about last time.
1: So, so let me understand this. So, so they want to train users, right, with Lydia.com, Linda.com, and all of those things, and make that available probably in the action center. Then they also want to give you the news. So when it comes to controlling populations, <laughs> I'm school, sorry, mate. School and news. School and news, mate. School and news. You train them the way they need to be trained, and you tell them what they need to hear.
0: Have you ever had a look at those lynda.com assets?
1: No. They're I've, really, really good. No, lynda.com is great. It's been around forever. They do awesome videos, and they probably – they're much more mature than PluralSight. I'll give them that. Although Plural Site is like for the hippies. Yeah. No, they got proper stuff, proper training material. Not that yeah. Plural Site hasn't. Um, but uh yeah, Plural it's much more edgier and quicker to market than um some of the Linda stuff.
0: Yeah. So yeah, that's that's the quick rundown of what they were saying is the priorities for the LinkedIn integration. Um, once that gets rolling, so it's all very mm-hmm. exciting stuff, and will have quite an impact. It sounds like on our space,
1: Oh, more definitely, for sure. For us. But a lot it's more all about a lot
0: more data, a lot more information available to us.
1: Do you think they will still? Yeah, they'll still keep. Uh, I'm wondering if if LinkedIn's going to integrate into Office like all the other companion apps.
0: Well, if I'm I'm thinking of the people search functionality, sort of trawling through LinkedIn as well. And maybe when you join a new company, you just link your LinkedIn profile to them and then it's you're all hooked up into the internet already. And all, I wonder all what that sort of... would be very cool.
1: I wonder what sort of impact that would have on recruitment firms. I wonder. Because you're looking for... You do an expertise search, right? So you're looking for a C-sharp developer with SharePoint skills. Yeah. So now you're sitting in Office 365 or... Ask Cortana to go find you someone. And Cortana comes back with 10 CVs from LinkedIn.
0: That's super interesting.
1: Yeah. Once Take the machine a,
0: learning gets hold of all this data, it's going to make for some very powerful tools.
1: Uh, yeah, with with webhooks and a graph, it's, if they integrate, and that's what they talked about when they bought them, LinkedIn into graph, direct. With a web book, you can go fetch whatever you want. Yeah, it's, it's exciting times.
0: Mm-hmm. So our right. next little bit of news is um, Build for 2017 has been pushed back a little bit. They announced the dates. It is in May 10th to 12th, and it's in Seattle. So normally yeah, that, it's normally it's March, April. They push it back a little bit. They're having it in Seattle, and that'll be the next big
1: Microsoft conference. Yeah, bringing everyone to the mothership, I think, is, is really what it's about, because... Microsoft likes bringing people to the mothership, great mothership. And now bringing the build, I mean, it's 20,000 people show up at build. So bringing them all to Seattle is definitely, I I can see where that is going. Uh, The headquarters of Skynet uh, makes a lot of sense. Cool. Cool. But a lot's been going on about Microsoft conferences over the last two or three, uh, I think it was about the last two or three days. There was a mention that there's some rebranding of events. So no longer will you go to the Worldwide Partner Conference. You'll now be going to Inspire. Uh, There's still the, I think there's there's another, there's a couple more. So we know that Ignite will stay Ignite. Ignite will be in September in Orlando. In the US, there's an Ignite in Australia in Feb. And then uh, WPC is now called Inspire. That's uh, what kind of scary. I don't think Microsoft did their research quite well because N- Nintex's big conference is called Inspire X. So, <laughs> so, yes, uh, Nintex have been having a field day with saying, well, imitation is the largest form of, of flattery. So, uh, it's funny that they called WPC Inspire when Nintex has got Inspire X. Now, it's going to be good. Next year's got quite a few good conferences. We've got our own tech summit in Feb as well. Yeah. Um, which I'm looking forward to. It's always good. Finally, I think Microsoft skips South Africa every two years and then they bring something that's relevant to what's happening around the world because there's a bunch of tech summits around the world as well. I think that's replaced the Office 365 Summit because it's extended more into the other bits and bobs that uh, Microsoft offers like Azure and all of those things. Tech Summit's a little bit better. It's not a tech ed. Uh, I suppose they, they brought it back, you know, be repeating itself and stuff. Yeah. i'd I'd like to uh, is that your side uh um
0: my last little bit of news is that um microsoft have released a new ai chat bot we'll remember a few months ago they released uh the twitter they released a bot on twitter called tay that turned into a flaming (laughs) racist Um, A, a weed smoking flaming racist something like that yeah um, so they're really they're taking another try at it now. This one's called Zo, and it's on Kik, which is an instant messaging platform. And from what I hear, it's a lot more locked down. It won't talk to you about politics. Probably won't talk to you about drugs and racism and that sort of stuff. So they're trying to keep it a bit more under control. Uh, is Kick still around? Apparently so.
1: Well, I remember Microsoft they launched they kind of preemptively launched uh, feature phones at one stage. I forget the names of them. And then they pulled them probably a month after they were released, and I think kick shipped with those feature phones I apparently, can't mem-
0: apparently it is a service that people use, so yeah oh, wow. just just a cool little thing if they get all that right, then this that'll obviously feed into Cortana and Microsoft teams and all of that sort of stuff.
1: yeah, no, it looks good, but uh kick um it's almost as. What did they release? I'm trying to remember now. Um, I looked at it today. Oh, Gig Jam. Have you seen Gig Jam? Yeah. It's another companion app. What it does, mystery. I've seen it for a while. You can collaborate more efficiently on stuff. But it's another one.
0: (laughs) Everybody's trying to crack this collaboration thing, hey?
1: Yeah, but Gig Jam is a Microsoft product. It's now going into, um, I think they're releasing it now, general availability. I checked the roadmap today on some of the new stuff that's coming. And I mean, there's stuff around uh, Microsoft Classrooms as well. So I think that's getting gaining momentum. I mean, it's been around for almost a year now. And if you don't have a uh, a public sector uh, account, you're not going to see it. But I mean, Microsoft Classroom, really cool stuff. Uh, it's the one that has for, if you go to forms.microsoft.com, there's an actual forms engine that Microsoft built, but it's only for an education SKU. And classrooms was part of that. So I'm very, very excited to see what actually comes of that because they've done a lot in that space. Specifically, a couple of years ago when they launched the Learner Companion, which is still very close to my heart.
0: So, what else? Uh, what are the news you got for us, Al?
1: The big one that we've seen over the last couple of months is the new uh, modern interface. I think that's what it's called. I can't remember. There's so many different names, but the modern experience. I think. What is it? Yeah, the modern experience. Uh, That started off with lists, then it moved to document libraries, and then it moved to the entire team site now as a modern experience. Uh, One of the biggest bugbears, and uh, I had to write a blog post to show Francois Pinot around the new modern experience for document libraries, is the features that you lose versus having the old uh, office ribbon that came through with, and it's still in the on-prem version of SharePoint. So there were functions that you do have and you don't have with the new modern experience. Uh, you can click on the bottom left-hand corner and go return to classic SharePoint and you'd get it. But if your admin has overridden the they, new look... If they've,
0: if they've said we are now on the modern experience, then you're stuck with the modern experience.
1: Well, look, like with inheritance for permissions, you can break inheritance. Yeah. Even though you do break inheritance on the library... If it's global new experiences, give it 30 minutes, it'll override it. But there are features like connect to office and those things that are not available to you in the modern experience. So you'd have to literally go toggle the return to classic SharePoint switch so that you can connect to office, which allows you to uh, have document templates that you create uh, around content types that you assign to SharePoint now available in the backstage option when you go new document as a template. So it is available there. And my next blog post will be around that because Francois Pinard has been nagging since October about it. And that's been, that feature has actually been there since SharePoint 2010. So I don't know where he lost his marbles around that or maybe he just didn't read up enough about it. Or maybe it's a true reflection of his SharePoint skills. But we'll see that in later posts. And it's a great read if you Google if you Bing, um, the difference in interfaces in Office Good 365. Save. Yeah, Good around <laughs> around modern experiences for listing libraries, there's a couple of blog posts that will actually tell you, and there's an Office 365 blog post specifically around what you lose, what you don't lose, what you have to go to, the classic SharePoint view to see that because it's not available in the modern experience.
0: Yeah, it's going to, they've really, they need to, they've tried to simplify the whole UI, to make it easy to use for the majority of users. It'll be interesting to see how they keep the level of functionality um, because they keep releasing new functionality and it has to go onto the page somewhere. So it'll be interesting to see how they manage that.
1: It's difficult eh, because you look at what features there are and I mean there was a ton of features in that ribbon and then you have a look at what the usage is in Office 365 over the last two years. And then you make a decision on, okay, so what do we deprecate? What do we keep? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's it from my side around Office 365. Uh, The last thing I want to talk about is the user groups in South Africa. Um, As you know, we have the information worker user group that meets tomorrow, the second Tuesday of every month at Microsoft throughout the country. Well, Johannesburg and Cape Town. But there are other user groups. Um, We have a SQL user group, which has been around as long as the Information Worker user group. I think they've been around longer. We also have some new ones up in Johannesburg. Well, not new, and I say new, over the last three, four years. We've got a Xamarin user group for your devs that uh, build mobile apps that are religious uh, Xamarin users. There's an actual user group. There's a new R user group because SQL Server 2016 now has our server, so you can go build your own formulas and algorithms inside a SQL. There's also a big one around IoT, and IoT's come to the fore over the last two, three years, primarily because of the Raspberry Pis being mainstream. There's also an Office 365 technical user group, which Michael O'Donovan's kicked off in the last three months. So for those guys looking at the technical side of managing Office 365, to look at what permissions to give who when it comes to official administrators for office 365 migrating to office 365 looking at exchange for office 365 also looking at azure i think there's also an azure user group if memory serves there's also a business intelligence user group as well as a custom dev user group which has also been around since the beginning of time as well as a gaming user group and these people meet specifically in johannesburg i think captron has got a bi user group uh, obviously, the I W user group, and um, I forget. that I think there's a third one that meets at Microsoft, the second Tuesday of every month. So it's come along, come have a chat to like-minded people, um, and there are also other user groups. I'd, I'd call them factions because they start up for not the right reasons, but they are around, and they're not at Microsoft. So. Do a search if you want to check for user groups. Uh, give it about a month or two. You can go to techcommunity.microsoft.com and we should have all the user groups that are uh, vetted by Microsoft um, on techcommunity.microsoft.com. Uh, there's also a big shift now to moving user groups to online. Yammer is not the tool that we will be using when we move the information worker community to an online user group. And we've had a lot of requests about this and we fairly cagey around and slow around moving or transitioning a actual physical in-person user group to an online user group. We find a lot of people can't make it or there's been a car accident or they're busy with work and they can't make it to the 4 p.m. slot for the information worker user group in St. Johannesburg or make it to Pinelands for the user group that is in Cape Town at 5. And we've been thinking long and hard, so how do we make the user groups available to people that cannot travel or or not in a city where they can actually drive to Pinelands in Cape Town or to Bryanston in Johannesburg? And what are the tools out there to make that available? Also, how do we give them a platform where they can actually have two-way communication with the user groups? Because we've now, it's almost a year since we've relaunched the information worker user group, so we've got a following, but also being able to, provide them with a foreign dis- forum discussion groups um, asking questions which they haven't been able to before except for trying to mail us to an unmailed and unmonitored mailbox. Um, so it's going to be good next year. There's a couple of new initiatives coming with the information worker group, a user group. Uh, one is taking the user group online so that we can actually provide that information instantaneously. You don't have to wait for someone to try and upload a slide deck. We'll also do We're also looking at recording uh, the, the entire session so that you can watch it later and grab it from a social network like Slack. And chances are we're probably using Slack. It's nice. It's seamless. It's in browser. If you want, you can use the desktop app. It will sit nicely. There's a mobile app so you can communicate effectively with not only your peers, but the actual leads in the user group. So we stoked about launching a few initiatives, and we'll be talking about that tomorrow night at our monthly community night. I think that's it from our side, eh, Modlin?
0: Then that's it for the news.
1: Yeah, in the news. So the
0: last thing on our docket today is the PowerShell commandlet. So the PowerShell commandlet today is get SP alternate URL. It's, it's pretty self-explanatory. It's it not
1: really what what alternate url are you referring to
0: well a sharepoint site can have a number of alternate urls and using this commandlet will provide you a list of all those alternate urls that have been set up for the portal
1: are you you talking about aims
0: yeah alternate access mappings it'll also do host headers if you've extended them uh, all that sort of stuff all the different things that could get you to a specific site It'll return a list of those URLs. So, so there's a couple, there's a, a few parameters you can put into it. You can either put in um, the identity, which is the URL or GUID um, of a site. So you can punch in this one and it'll return for you the, the other ones for that site. The other ways you can get into it. Alternatively, you can give it a, a combination of resource name, web application, or zone. Um, any of those or a combination together and it will return to you all the alternate URLs that will match that description and if you add oh. none of and if you add none of this it'll return for you a a list of all the URLs associated with that SharePoint instance
1: I actually had a requirement exactly like that about two weeks ago where so get this right so certain when you configure load balancers, it requires what they call ARP settings so that you tell the load balancer that there are now two network cards associated with one virtual IP and also the MAC addresses. So certain VLANs and core switches don't allow that, crazily enough. So you can't use their switches or, or VLANs for load balancing. So if I had this get SP alternate URL, I'd be able to run that against a farm And actually pick up where the, because they have FQDNs, but because the load balancer is not configured, I'd literally have to go into the AIM settings, click show all, and then try to map it back when I could get a list this way. Much easier.
0: Much easier.
1: And there's some crazy PowerShell commands that actually allow you to add additional ones that are not necessarily available through the GUI. Yeah. Hmm. Very, very cool, Modlin. Yep. So that's the PowerShell commander for this week.
0: So thank you all for listening. You can find us online. The website is twoguysinsharepoint.co.za. You can also find us on Twitter at twoguyssharepoint. I'm on Twitter at oddmodlin, and Al is on Twitter at Alistair Pugin. Awesome stuff. Uh, Looking forward to next week's wrap-up. Yes, it's going to be lots of fun. Thank you all for listening. Cheers. Cheers, cheers.
1: But my tangentability, is that a word, tangentability? I think you've just made it up. Ah, Yeah, because I suffer from tangentability. You certainly do.